Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Thursday Night Tailgate, where NFL legends live. Join us tonight as we get more legendary stories from former players and coaches who were in the huddles, on the sidelines, and in the locker room. Plus insights from media members from around the country who have covered the game for decades. Check out our five-star picks of the week with former Patriots Pro Bowl running back Tony Collins. Plus, our spotlight on the positive segment. And here's some good things for a change about what players and teams are doing in their communities. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari. Go get them, guys. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Thursday Night Tailgate, where your favorite NFL legends live. Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari back with you for season number 11, as Joe Castiglione likes to say. Can you believe it? 11 years. Bob and I started doing podcasts back when our friend Dave Radigan used to say, nobody knows what a podcast is. It's been a fantastic journey, one I'm very thankful for, just like I am for this man. Bob, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Chris. Great to hear your voice. How are you doing? Ah, I'm hanging in there. Like I say, you know, a uh, touch of this, a touch of that. But uh, on, on a good day, my 100% is now, you know, 70% is my new 100. So I'm probably 90% of my 70%. But good and glad to be back with you, my friend. Yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting older, Chris, but we still show up to play, right? So <laughs> I'm glad to be here. <laughs> That's right. Does it seem like 11 years to you, Bob? It sure doesn't to me. You know, it, some days it does, Chris. Some days, I guess it, at our age, you know, the memory's a little foggy. But, I mean, you and I have done so many shows together, uh, baseball, football, golf. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard. to it, Right now, to me, it's all a blur. I just know, like, every year at this time, football starts, and, and you know, we do the same show all the time. But to me, you know, I mean... After literally thousands of shows over the years, I mean, it's kind of a blur, but I just enjoy it on a daily, a weekly basis, and I guess that's why we continue to do it. Yeah, absolutely, and I'll tell you another reason why we continue to do it, and this is something that has meant a great deal to me. I've been overwhelmed, Bob, by the number of our regular guests who have reached out to me and asked, hey, where, where's Thursday Night Tailgate? When am I coming back on? I miss you yeah. guys. That's the greatest collection of compliments that I can ever imagine receiving. Yeah, and, and uh, I get similar things, Lee, uh, uh, Chris, uh, and I do a Tuesday morning uh, guest appearance on a show. We've been doing, I've been doing that for probably close to 15 years, and one of the first questions, you know, who do you have coming on this weekend? People out there look forward to hearing it, give them websites where they can hear all these interviews and catch up on these guys, and they just like the format of the show where we put the spotlight on guys that maybe aren't the most superstars uh, that have ever been seen in the sports world, but guys that really want to tell their story. And, and that's been our, I guess, 
been our secret over the dozen years or so. So um, we're going to continue doing what we're doing and shed positive lights on people in the community. Yeah, and right. I don't see a reason to change much here. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Bob, I want to start out tonight by getting your thoughts on the season so far. I've been surprised by the number of wins from both New York teams so far. Who would have ever guessed that, you know, either team would would be near 500 at this point, let alone in the hunt for division titles? I also wouldn't have guessed that the Eagles and the Vikings would be the class of the NFC and the defending Super Bowl champion Rams plus the Bucks. neither one of those teams being at 500 yet, and, and the Rams offense that was so good last year is now so bad. I guess let's start there. What what's happened to the Rams, Bob? You know, that's a that's a strange kind of team, you know. I mean you could talk about Super Bowl hangovers and everything, Chris, but I can't explain how their one hundred thirty one points here is I think just about the lowest in football. I mean that you couldn't get odds on that. I think Denver's got a lower total and maybe the Steelers. But I mean that that is way down on the totem pole of points scored. Uh, and when you have, you know, some of the weapons they have, it just seems, I don't know if the chemistry is a little messed up there now, Chris. I mean, you, there's been problems with Akers. Um, there's been problems maybe inside with the coach. Um, their defense, you know, is still playing at a decent level. Nobody ever would thought that they'd have a, you know, a minus 42 differential at this point. Cause just because of that offense, it, just on paper, Cup is doing what Cup does. I still think Cup is maybe the best player in football. But um, when that's all you have right now uh, and you're playing some good team, there's a lot of parity in the league, league uh, as you know, Chris, and, and that's the problem right now for the Rams. Um, but three and five, you know, if they get a little hot uh, with the parity going on right now, they still have a shot, but they just can't score points right now. Bob, this week it's looking more and more like Josh Allen may not play against the Vikings. If this ends up being more than just a precautionary measure to rest his elbow and, God forbid, he ends up having to have Tommy John surgery to repair his UCL, can uh, Case Keenum step in and, and get them deep into the playoffs? Or if Josh Allen ends up having an issue with the elbow that requires surgery, is that it? Are the Bills done? They're done. Uh, because Keenum cannot do what he does, Chris. Right now, Josh Allen is the leading rusher on that team. Think about that. All right. So, I mean, when you, when you combine that with, uh, I mean, Diggs is having a great year. Uh, but the rest of their, their offense, Chris, without Allen, I mean, you look at some of the stats on the team beside Josh Allen. Diggs, of course, you know, he's got his 80 catches or whatever. The rest of them are very, very, um, they're really, really not impressive. When you go right down the line, you know, they're, they got a decent tight end and things like that, but it, it doesn't wow you. And you take Allen away from that. Keenan is it, not going to be able to do the things that he does. And again, like I said, this, this, you're leading, you're losing your leading rusher and the, maybe the <laughs> best uh, quarterback in the league. So that, that, that just can't happen. They're winning right now with their defense, Chris. I mean, they're scoring enough points. I mean, their total is not, I mean, it's among the top you know, seven or eight league, but it's not outstanding. But they're winning with their defense right now. And that only puts pressure on an offense as year goes on. And if that comes upon a guy like Case Keenum, that can't happen. So, um, I mean, I had the same surgery that UCL on my left arm. Uh, so it's not my throwing arm, Chris, but 
that it, you know, it's, it's could play with it and everything. There's constant pain, like toothache type pain. But in a, I don't know if he can go through the year like that and be as effective. I know he wants to play, but um, it's to be seen though. But they cannot uh, do without uh, a possible MVP candidate. And speaking of the Bills, Bob, every team in the AFC East is over 500. Is that the best division in football? AFC East, NFC East, East teams seem to be dominating right now. With a, you know, obviously with the the exception of the Vikings and the Chiefs and a couple others. But boy, that AFC East seems pretty tough. That's exactly what you said. Every team over 500. That comes back to that word parity. Uh, you know, with New England, people had, you know, at the beginning and when Jones was having his health problems, people were thinking, oh, this team has no shot. Well, they're over 500 and they're, they're right in there for a playoff spot right now. Again, there's so much parity in the league. And like you said, Chris, the NFC East, you have three teams that are six and two or better. And even Washington's almost a 500 team. So, yeah, the East this year, you know, which is strange because we've always thought of the East. We think of teams like the Jets and the Giants. And as we go back to those teams, if you had thought those teams would have six, six wins right now, I mean, up here in New York, if people had said, you know, one of the teams, could one of the teams finish 500, you would probably say no, just one. Of them. And it looks like both of them, are going to have good seasons. They're winning ugly. Don't, you know, they're both winning defensively and their quarterbacks aren't going to probably get them to the promised land. But give those coaches credit. I think they do have the right coach to uh, place at both New York stops. Yeah, I agree. I'm surprised at how well both are playing. I know our, our friend John Luke is, is, uh, you know, cautiously optimistic. He, you know, we're talking about getting him on the show a little bit later on in the season. He's not going to be available to us until January. And he's like, I'm afraid that they'll be back under 500 by then. I wish I could get on now, but he's got some other things going on. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep up the pace because both teams look really good at, to your point, defensive. All right, let's get into our unsung hero of the week award. Bob, who's a, a lesser known player that, uh, you want, that really impressed you and you want to give your unsung hero award to? And I'm going to give it to a player, Chris, who uh, was involved in a losing effort, but he kept the Falcons in the game against the Chargers this week, and that's uh, running back Tyler Algier. Now, he's the kind of guy you and I love, Chris. He was a, He's a rookie, was a fifth-round draft pick now out of Brigham Young. Now, Brigham Young is not known for running backs. You think of Brigham Young. It's a passing school, everything. So this guy comes out, fifth-round draft pick, uh, you know, had a very, you know, pedestrian few, uh, games to begin this year. I think he only started less than half of the game. Well, I mean, he had 10 carries for almost 100 yards last week. And the only team only had about 300 yards total. Mariota with a pitiful, uh, 129 yards passing. Algier, 100 yards, uh, had a 44 yard run. Chris, uh, getting to play now. You know, maybe he'll become a more household name as we go on. But you gotta love a fifth round draft pick, um, who's making a name for himself, who comes from a passing institution and uh, is getting a chance to play with maybe not one of the better teams in the league. But he kept, he himself kept the Falcons in that game and was a major reason why it was only a three-point game. So kudos to Tyler Algier. I, I hope he gets a lot more playing time. Yeah, I hope so, too. My Unsung Hero Award goes to uh, Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard. He's a guy, Bob, drafted back in 2018 out of South Dakota State. 
He comes in with the Eagles when they traded Zach Ertz, and now he's the, the starting tight end there. Had 830 yards receiving last season, four touchdowns, so a really good season last year. On pace now for over 1,000 yards receiving this year. And last week in their win over the Texans, targeted nine times, eight catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Bob, I know what a big fan you are of the of the guys in the trenches, particularly the tight ends. Got us a big guy playing really well this season and uh, had a big week last week which is why he's my unsung hero of the week. It's time for another edition of Bob's Take. So, Bob, tell us, what's on your mind tonight? All right, let's get into this week's edition of Bob's Take. And Bob, I want to start by getting your thoughts on the Colts letting Frank Reich go and replacing him with former Colts Pro Bowl center Jeff Saturday. Saturday has no coaching experience on any level. So, Bob, were you surprised that A, that they let Reich go, and then B, replacing him with Jeff Saturday? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised about Reich. Uh, I know you want to get more. Uh, they had They had much more. Uh, dreams of being better this year, you know, with Matt Ryan and everything. It just hasn't materialized, Chris. But that hiring, uh, well, the firing was probably, you know, I think Reich will fall on his feet. I mean, <laughs> I think he'd do tremendous, like in New England, unless they bring Josh Daniels back. I mean, th- we'll talk about that as we go on with the Patriots. But, you know, this, the hiring of Saturday, uh, that came out of nowhere. I mean, again, guy had been coaching. I guess he coached a little in high school, but that was up until three years ago, Chris. I guess he was, he'll be the first former player, I guess, with no college or pro experience. We named a head coach. I think it goes back to the 60s, Norm Van Brocklin, I think. But he comes out of the uh, studio, I guess, for ESPN. And, uh, you know, I guess Ursay says, you know, he's a guy that he was always close to Ursay. I guess Ursay called him on Sunday, not thinking about hiring as a coach, kind of just wanting to vent about what was happening. And I guess as this conversation went on, uh, a couple of days later, he said, you know, you're a good leader. Um, you know, you know what it's like to be in this town, you know, and what do you think? And, and then I guess he started thinking and Saturday said, look, you know, I played with Hall of Famers. I, been in playoffs a dozen times. I've done this. I mean, he was very, very confident about what he can do. And he said, if I'm not good at it, you know, I'm the one that's going to step away, you know, and uh, you got to let the Rooney rule kind of let, you know, run its course, of course, at the end of the season also. But, you know, you like to see him do good, but it is a crazy hire, Chris, and, and maybe crazier than that, the fact that a 30-year-old guy, uh, Frazier is going to be calling the plays now, and he'll say they said he'll get a lot of help from others, including Saturday, who has never called plays. So this ought to be interesting, Chris. I want to see what they do uh, as far as scoring touchdowns. You know, I'm not a big fan of probably benching Ryan at this point because the backup Ellinger hasn't done much either. So, but yeah, that was uh, one of the most bizarre hires I think I've ever been uh, privy to. Next, Bob. Steeler Nation was chanting for Kenny Pickett to replace Mitch Trubisky. I, I, I think right in the first game, you know, as soon as Trubisky, you know, threw an interception, threw an incompletion, whatever, everybody was already ready for the Kenny Pickett era to start. Now, three and a half games into his career, 
Some fans are already talking about drafting a quarterback in April. And I keep telling people on Twitter, talk to me at the end of next season, not the end of this season. Talk to me at the end of next season. Most rookies don't come in and take the league by storm. There's not a, a whole lot of Dan Marino to come in and just light it up right away. Kenny needs time to learn. He didn't even get reps with the ones in training camp and he, or even until you know, he started, you know, his first practice after, after, you know, he gets pulled in midway through the Jets game was the first time he actually practiced with the ones. I mean, Bob, is, is it crazy to think, you know, hey, three and a half games in, we're, we're already deciding that Kenny Pickett's not the guy? Oh, it is Chris, Chris, and you're probably more qualified to answer, and you made some great points already. I mean, he's a hometown hero, man. You've got to give this guy a shot. He did not get schooled at all. I mean, I think most of us thought he'd be uh, just absorbing a lot of things behind Trubisky this year. Uh, maybe she'll still should be. I don't know, you know, if it was a good uh, idea to throw him to the wolves. Um, I think the, the Steelers have such a tradition and were so used to winning, Chris, they just wanted to make uh, a change in, in their fortune at that time. But, you know, you can't throw, I don't think you can throw a young guy like that to the Wolves. A few have been able to do it. I don't think he has that kind of talent. He's the type that needs to really develop, watch, absorb, getting used to the pro game. But he's doing it all on the run now. And I don't know how people could expect anything else. You know? um, and, you know, right. again, at this point, I think he still should be. I think Trubisky probably should still be at least, uh, you know, doing a lot of getting a lot of the reps. Uh, if anything, uh, you know, maybe doing some kind of, uh, you know, substituting both of them in games. I, I don't know what the answer right now, but I mean, for people to come down on the guy when he was just flown to the wolves, uh, I think is very unfair, Chris. And you're right. You know, give him the rest of the season. Start him as your number. You got to put confidence in this guy. He's a Pittsburgh guy, right? And you know, next year, then you say, "Look, it didn't work out. Gave him a fair shot." Right now, he hasn't had a fair shot. One more, Bob, and another team feeling some young quarterback growing pains is the Patriots. Is Mac Jones the guy there? Well, you know what, Mac Jones. I think Chris. I think he is the guy. His the problem in New England right now is the lack of an offense coordinator. I mean, you have a guy, Matt Patricia, from what we hear, and the Patriots don't give you any information, you know, right up in this area. They don't, you know, that's the Belichick way. You have Joe Judge, you have Matt Patricia. Supposedly, Patricia is the guy doing a lot of play calling, Chris. I don't even know if that's true. Maybe Judge gets, I, I don't know if it's by committee, um, but I think a guy like the quarterback, Jones, I mean, look what he did under McDaniels, who is a – I've said this on the show since the beginning, Chris. McDaniels is not a head coach. He's a good coordinator, and he still should be in New England. But he went for the money. Twice he went, right? He may come back again. Uh, him or Frank Reich, I think, would be a tremendous addition back to that staff. Let Patricia do his offense. Let Judge do special teams or maybe an assistant offensive guy. But I think Mac Jones right now – is the victim of a uh, offensive coordinator list New England team. Um, he's another one, you know, young guy. He's the same age as Pickett. Got to let him develop, Chris. He did a hell of a job last year, quote unquote, developing under a good coordinator. So um, they they need to make other decisions beside it. Mac, Mac Jones is the guy. They got to get that coaching staffing here. There you go, folks. That's this week's edition of Bob's Take. 
We've got our first guest, Greg Lloyd, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Greg on the other side of this real quick station break. You're listening to Thursday Night Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari, where NFL legends live on. Back to you, boys. It's him. He's alive. All right. Now back, and I'm honored to say this for the 12th time as a member of the Steelers Hall of Honor and, more importantly, a member of our guest Hall of Fame, and that's Greg Lloyd. As you guys know, Greg's my all-time favorite player. We love him on this show because he always tells it like it is, and he's done so since the very first time he joined us a little over six years ago. Greg is from Miami, Florida, played his college ball at Fort Valley State in southern Georgia, where he was a three-time all-southern intercollegiate athletic conference selection he was also a three-time team de- defensive MVP. And as a senior, he was the conference player of the year and was named first team Sheridan All-American. He was a sixth-round draft pick by the Steelers in 1987, played in the league from 87 to 1998, all in Pittsburgh except for his last season in Carolina, was selected to five straight Pro Bowls from 1992 to 1996, was the AFC Defensive Player of the Year in 1994. He's a member of the Steelers' all-time team and, like I say, inducted into their Hall of Honor back in 2020. And as I previously said when J- uh, when Greg has joined us on the show, sometimes in life when you meet your heroes, they aren't like what you hoped they would be. Not the case with Greg Lloyd. He's been fantastic every time we've had the privilege of having him on the show. And we're excited he's back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Greg, Chris, and Bob, how are you, my friend? Welcome back, Greg. Hey, hey Chris and Bob, how you guys doing? Oh, fantastic. Doing Greg, good. how have you been? I've been well. Playing some golf. That's about it. You know, staying away from, you know, television, watching that game y'all call football. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're driving back. We played golf today, and we're driving back from Virginia Beach to Charlotte, and I'm going to get up and drive home in the morning to Atlanta. But uh, other than that, we're doing good. I got two of my buddies in here. I played I play for both of these guys. You know, we came in together in 87, so. Yeah, they're in the truck too, so they they just kind of being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, as you know, every time I come on the show, I've got my '95 jersey on, out of my deep respect for you. And the Steelers organization has shown their gratitude for all you've done for the team. You know, over the years, you're in the Hall of Honor there. When you go back to Pittsburgh, or you go to an event, because Steeler Nation represents everywhere. Like, in, I'm sure at the event you were just recently at. What's it like for you when you see how much you mean and have meant to not only the Steeler organization, but to all Steeler Nation? Well, you know, it, 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 it's still a Steeler Nation. It's still it's always been about history. You know, when you get there, you kind of get that, that history of what, you know, Steeler football and how the Rooney's run things and things of that nature. Like I say, I think I've told you that several times. You know, most teams would like to pattern their, their, their team you know, everything after the Steelers because of the way, of the way they do things. But the Steelers have that, they have a blue collar mentality of, you know, show up, do your job. Show up, you know, do the work. And, you know, if you're there for a long time, you know, you do the things you need to do. And yeah, I mean, these guys are going to love you. I mean, there's, there's places you can go and, you know, there's, in Pittsburgh, there's not many places you can go and not be recognized as one of the guys. But, um, you know, in, you know, inducted or put or however they collected me. Into the Hall of Honor. I mean, there's there, there's a a lot of guys that I still think that you know could go in, you know, before me. But I'm you know I'm honored, you know, and things of that nature. But 
you know, I'm again, I, I, I limit the time that I, I do go back to Pittsburgh. And I guess, like I told you guys before, most of the time I do go back there. If I go to a game, I'm not there long and then, you know, there for something else. But I, 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 I go back there to, you know, see my martial arts stuff there every once in a while. I take a game there. And because I'm just, I just still don't like this brand of football that they're playing, right? So that's, you know, that's, that's the honest truth. Well, and to that point, Greg, I mean, we keep hoping year after year that we're going to find you as a defensive assistant, a linebacker's coach, something <laughs> along those lines, you know, in, in Pittsburgh. I mean, look, Tomlin, Tomlin's choice of coordinators and things of that nature hasn't really worked out all that well. Why aren't we seeing that happen? I mean, at, at this point, I, I get that, you know, Tomlin may have his guys, but when you look at the guys that he's picked, not so good. Maybe it's time to go outside the box. Well, you know, I, I, I think when you're dealing with a coach, as in, you know, Mike T, Mike T's my, you know, fraternity brother, I said again. But I think when you're dealing with, with, with that and you have a general man, it's easy to have, you know, when you are a coach slash general manager, you have control over that. But when you're just coach, you know, maybe you get to pick who your coordinators are and things of that nature. I'm pretty sure that that may be, you know, it. But then you're limited because, again, you know, at the end of the day, guys, coaches put players on the field. It's the player's job to get it done. I mean, it's the coach's job to give them material and stuff like that. But coaches don't play on something, you know. I mean, right now, you know, the, the, the Steelers are playing poorly on in all phases of the game. You know, so if we're going to say we can't point out defense, can't point out offense, or especially they're playing in all phases of the game, they are they are playing very poorly. And you know, what is it coming from? I mean, your leaders are, have to be those guys that are on the field. At the end of the day, players play, coaches coach. That's how it works. Play, players play, coaches coach. So they've got to learn how to have leadership on the field. And once they have the leadership on the field and take it to, you know, take, you know, they got to take it, you know, into the game. So, you know, it starts in that locker room and it's got to be in that locker room. And, and if it's in that locker room, it's got to be, you know, it's got to carry out onto the field. So where are your leaders? Where, you know, when everything is going well, everybody's like, Hey, you know, it's this guy. Hey, it's this guy. So when things are going bad, where are those people? Did they get cut? Did they, you know, are they, do they have nothing to say? Nobody's going to write something about them or anything anymore. That's what it's about. You know what I mean? You know, listen, the Steelers are going to go through some, some growing pains and things of that nature. Nothing like, like they're sick, but let's do it with some style. You know, if we're going to, we're going to go out and freaking lose to the sorry Cincinnati Bengals or some sorry Jet team or some sorry Lion team. If we're going to do that, let's, 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 you know, call it war. You know, let's, you know, let's, 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 you know, let's go to war. And when the game's over with, we can sit back and say, hey, you know, we got it done and be done with it. And, you know, that's, that's kind of that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, shut up. But anyway, <laughs> you know, anyway, that's my, that's my take on it. Is that what's missing, Greg? The war mentality? The, the, you know, hey, you got to have an identity, right? We hear that all the time. What's right. your identity on on right. on offense? What's your identity on defense? Is that what's missing? Right. I think I think it is. I don't. I mean, do you? Can you? Can you officially say you know what their identity? Yeah, on no. either side of the ball. 
You know, you can't. It, you know, I mean, you know, I, you know, losing is not a mentality in Pittsburgh, man. It's it's just it's just not a mentality, and you know, and it's not it's not time to for everybody to to panic and say, oh my God, you know, you know, we got this. It's not that time, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I don't think one season is 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 enough to do that, but at some point, man, you gotta you know you gotta anchor down and say, this is who we're going to be. We're going to go out. We're going to fight. If we get fine, we'll get fine. But we're going to let everybody know from this point forward, we're going to be playing Pittsburgh Steelers. And here's the brand of football that we play. Here's the brand of defense we play. Here's the brand of offense we play. You guys are going to take stuff. And then, yeah, you know, you wait around until, you know, April, May, you know, until April, March, April, when the draft come around. And you may have some pieces of the puzzle you need to put in there. But, again, if if if, if there's no cohesiveness, then what do you do? You just keep moving chess pieces around and you know you you're not trying to you know if you're not trying to win you know in the game and trying to you know capture somebody's king it doesn't matter and so these guys like like say you know I heard you guys talking about you know uh you know the young quarterback and stuff like this like well when you get drafted in the first round you get drafted to play you don't get drafted to be you know tutored you get drafted to play you know and, and you know if you don't play and it's not your fault this cat set across the bend Brothersburg is locker almost on the other side of the locker room at this thing. So did he not get the chance to see what Ben did and how Ben did how Ben did things and stuff like that? I mean, let's not make any excuses for him. He's first round draft choice. So, you know, when you get drafted in the first round, we don't draft you like in three or four years possibly to help us out. Draft you to help right now. You know, so that should have been his starting place. So I don't think he got thrown to the wolves. I just think that, you know, when quarterbacks are doing well, everybody talk about this is these guys are the ladies on the team. So then when he's doing bad, you know he's got to take that. He's got to take that. That comes. That comes with going things. You know he'll do that. And on the other side of the ball, and I know you know their defensive player of the year is hurt, stuff like that. But where is he? You know, is he's out there in practice lending his, you know, you know his whatever to the team? Is he's out there saying, hey guys, you know, do it. Let's do it like this. Still be hurt and still be part, you know, and not be in the game and still, you know, be be a factor. So I don't know if that's part of it or is that is that allowed or not. But, you know, something I did, I hurt my knee, I think, coming out of the Super Bowl game, very first, first play, almost very first play of the game, you know, for the following year. And, you know, Chad Brown stepped to my spot, goes to the Pro Bowl. But, again, where was I? I was on the field every day. I was I was traveling. And, you know, and, hey, do this and do that and do this and don't do this and that and things of that nature. You know, you, you, know, you it, it's just a mentality, man. It, it, it's, like, it's like, hey, listen, you can't be selfish. And I think, you know, in this, in this brand of football they're playing, that's, 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 that's number one to what everybody's trying to do. You can't be selfish. You've got to be, you know, hey, I'm all about, and I think, you know, Pittsburgh, like I say, I don't think they have an identity. I can't say what it is, but, you know, losing is not it. And it's not acceptable. And, you know, some, some, some things are going to happen. I don't know what, but, you know, <laughs> I don't think they'll, 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 they'll change midway game like you see, you know, happening over in, um, you know, with uh, uh, the Colts, but I still think that, you know, some things are probably going to, you know, hit the fan when, when, when the season is over with, and it should. Bob, questions for Greg? Yeah, it's great to speak with you as usual, Greg, and I, I think you're hitting so so many good points. It's like our conversation always has to come back to the current state of the game, um, and I don't think it's about team anymore. That's the problem, but, you know, I'm looking at, like, your coaching staff in the early 90s, like on defense, you had guys like Dom Capers, LeBeau, Marvin Lewis, 
uh, right. didn't seem like they were had to be guys that needed to motivate you guys. They didn't have to yell at you. Um, right. These guys today, it seems to me, they need to have a rah-rah guy. They have a guy motivate them every game. You guys just did it in a very, shall we say, ferocious but classy style. I mean, I think that's a main right. difference right, right now. Well, I, again, I think if you if you if you look at the difference in coaches, like some of the coaches that we had back then did not play football. Most of the coaches we have that are playing right now did not play football. And you know, having a football IQ does not necessarily mean I studied football for the past twelve years and X's and O's and you know I did this and I did that. Because sometimes are getting jobs, sometimes are passing out freaking meal money a year ago, and all of a sudden he's quarterback coach. Some guy was, you know, you know, running errands and all of a sudden he's the linebacker coach. And you got a lot of that crap going on in the league now. And these young boys know that. They don't respect that. But a guy that has played 12 years, a been a pro bowler, a guy that's played, you know, however many years and been in the Super Bowl or he was either the best at his position or one of the best at his position or considered one of the best. If that guy's coaching you. And so what's happening again with this, with this, with this coaching thing, you know, Marvin and those guys didn't have to yell at back. I cannot tell you how many times I tell Marvin Lewis, get out of her. He'll tell you that. If you ever talk to him, like, you get out of her. Stay out of her. If we do something wrong and screw something up, come in the huddle and say something. But stay out of her. We we got this because we had enough people on our team. We had guys in every position that were in leadership roles, that were captains, that had been there for a while, that other guys looked up to, you know? And that was the deal. But we held each other accountable. The main thing is that we held each other accountable. If somebody did something, like you know, regardless of who it was, regardless of how much money you made, uh, what the media wrote about you, or Pro Bowls, that if you did something bonehead, your teammates are gonna let you know. Whether it was in a slide, slick way, or just hey man, you know, you got to be the hey bro, you better than that. And then if you had any any set of balls, the first thing you are gonna say is that my bad, you know, I'll make up for that. As opposed to you know coming back with something sarcastic like you know. You know, I, I make $12 million, you make two, you can't talk to me. And that's the mentality that's going on. And the coaches know that. And with this, all this other stuff going on, the coaches know they're limited. Coaches are limited to what they can say and do to some, you know, to some of these guys now because of, you know, all the new rules and all that stuff. But these guys, man, they knew football. They knew who their players were and they let us go out. That's what they did. They, they, anything that happened on the field or anything that happened in the locker room, never make the media and stuff like that because you got a veteran team and we took care of it right there. We took care of it in practice, we took care of it in the field, or we took care of it in the locker room. It wasn't something that you could put on your social media and stuff like that because we don't play football for social media. You know, and it's, and it's just it's just a totally different game. But yeah, you know, all the rah-rah, if you need a coach to, to, to come out and rah-rah you up, if you need a coach to, to come out, if you need a coach to come out and, you know, get you fired up you know, for, for then you know you probably don't need to be there. You know, because if you're not self motivated, you know, do what you need to do to do your job. I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. And Greg, I don't think these guys, uh, as far as playing her, I mean, it, it, that's almost like they just can't do it anymore. You, you played 15 or more games seven years in a row at that ferocious level that you played. I'm sure maybe some people came up to you at some time and then said, Greg, maybe you shouldn't be playing on this game. And I, I, I don't even not want to know what your response would be. But, uh, there had to be games there where you just had, it had to be a mental thing playing through that kind of pain. 
Well, you know, I think I, I, and I don't think the pain level of what you do playing football. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's changed from what we used to do and from what the guys in the seventies, sixties. I think equipment has changed, trying to make it make it a little bit better. But you know, that's playing on turf versus you know you're on grass now. And I don't think there's any turf fields left. I mean, you know, the effect they have on our knees and things like that. But just getting a, you know, I I, I pull, you know, I I, I dislocated my thing. Or, you know, I got a, I got a hamstring pull or I got a slight, I'm, I'm worth, they'll pay me a hundred million dollars. And so I'm on, I'm going to sit over here for the next, you know, eight, nine games. I'm not going to try right. to get shot up or anything like that. I'm just going to sit over here for the next eight, nine games. And if it gets better, it does. But if it doesn't, you know, I'm okay. You know, I, I'll, I'll get better than all. No, we weren't like that, man. We were in the, we were in the moment. We were in the now, you know, because yeah, next year ain't promised to us. Next year, I might not have the same defense. You know, some of these guys may leave and go somewhere. Some of my offense players may leave and go somewhere. So you want to try to make the best of what you have right now. So, yeah, I mean, I was one of those guys that I never wanted to come up. My teammates said, I never wanted to come up. I never wanted to give my backup any kind of reps or anything like that. These guys don't care about that now. Do you think they care about that? You know, you, you, hey, listen, somebody walking in and hand you guys $70 million right now, up, you know, you know, Give you a seventy million dollar contract. Say, hey, listen, fifty million of it is guaranteed. It might be a little activated. Going to want to come to work on time, <laughs> you know. And that's the thing. And, and you guys are older. You understand that these guys are uh, are twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five years old. And we all know how we were then. So it's kind of a you know twenty two on both ends. It's a little bit of you know what what's being sold and and, you know, and who you're selling it to. You know that's what it is. So. But it's a different mentality. Yeah. Altogether it's a different mentality. I think I, I, I feel like some days I can put together some of the old guys that we had, you know, you know, I can put together them right now. We can go out we can go out and beat the crap out of boys right now. Because we were those guys that like I say, we we went to war. You know, even if we lost the game, when you got done playing, y'all get on that bus there, man. You can't wait to get out. You know, these boys beat us up. They won the game. You know. So that's what I'm saying. Pittsburgh don't have that mentality, they don't have that identity. It's just like, we lost, so what? We'll get better. Oh, you know, or, or, you know, we ain't got this, we ain't got that, or we lost this guy, we lost that guy. You know, I mean, hey, we lost Rock Woodson, we lost myself for a whole year, and, you know, we still went, we went to the Super Bowl. Guys, guys stepped up, and, you know, you should have a team where one guy goes down, the next guy got to step in there, and he has to do that job just as well, if not better, as the guy he's replaced. They don't have that in. Yeah, so take that a step further, Greg, because it seems like the minute T.J. Watt went down, the defense died with it. Like they, you know, they well, had seven sacks against the it, against the Bengals, and they're hardly sacking yeah. the quarterback since. Yeah, but you're saying it's almost like saying one guy is one guy uh, 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 better, the best, the best, the best. You know, is one guy the glue that holds it? Are we relying on one guy to get a sack? You know, I mean, you know. Is, is that it? Is one guy? I, again, like you said, we lost. We lost probably one of the best corners that I've ever had to play with. Probably one of the best corners to go down in the history of playing football. We lost, but we still managed to put a guy in there and play. Cornell Lake went from strong safety to corner to replace Rod Woods, and right. and we still and, and we managed and we managed to get it done. We didn't miss. We didn't miss beat. I mean, of course, we're not the same team without. But what we did was. We we put a guy back there. We went back there, and we knew he could get the job done. As opposed to okay, so T.J. Watt is out. Okay, 
So who's going to step up? That's the opportunity for somebody to step up. And it won't be the next time. Sometimes next time it'll be somebody else. But you can't make excuses for it. You just got to, you know, pull your pants up, pull your big boy pants on, you know, and go out and get it done. That's it in a nutshell, you know. And and, and so, like you said, what an opportunity for a guy that's back in T.J. Watson to come in and say, hey, listen, Steelers, I know y'all been on this. But I'm going to show you. You're not going to do it with your mouth. You're going to do it with your shoulder pads. You're going to do it on Sunday. But, you know, if you're going out there being average, you know, shit, man, we got we, we, it's, it's average on this road back here where we are right now. We can find average. We can find average at, at, at fucking, you know, uh, Waffle House. We can find average. <laughs> so, you know, so my thing of it is, you know, step up and do your job. You know, step up and, and you know, act like you got to say it. Step up and act like that's something that you want as opposed to, I just want to be on the team. I just want to be able to make the team. I just want to be able to say I'm a stealer or whatever team you're on as opposed to, I want to, I want a legacy. They don't want that. They want money. They want fame, but they don't want to do the work. Greg, one of the things you said a little bit ago, and, and I think we're seeing maybe some of this play out, but guys that come in as a first round draft pick, I mean, Najee Harris is getting a, getting a lot of flack. You know, is, is he a bust? Is he this? Is he that? But the Steelers keep running him out there. I mean, you know, Jalen Warren is a guy that looks like he's hitting the hole better, hitting it faster, wants it more, all of that sort of thing. But it feels like you have to play Najee Harris because he's dropped in the first round. First round pick. Got to play him. Well, well, you know what the deal is? The deal is this. You and I got to, um, uh, you know, uh, let, let's call it. They didn't got to put a lot of money on. We got we got a $100 investment, and then I got a 50-cent investment. I'm uh, hoping I get a whole lot of money, a whole lot of return on my $100 investment. But if my $100 investment is not working, I got to cut my losses and put my money, you know, you know, if my, if my fit is, you know, put it somewhere else. My thing again is that what I like about the old coach, the old, the old Steelers, that thing still raised right now. You ask any that player. If a guy in front of you or behind you is outplaying you, guess what's going to happen? On Sunday, that's who's going to play. The guy that's playing the best guy is going to play. Right now, it's, it's like these, these guys are commodities. And it's like, oh, we got a $80 million, you know, a $60 million, $50 million, whatever million it is. We got, you know, we, we got this guy on our team. We got plans. We have to play it, but it's clear to the other teammates and everybody else that the guy backing them up might be better. Regardless, I mean, come on, look at the history of the Steelers and first round draft choice. Think about that. <laughs> never, they, they, they've never been there. Go back and look at the history of them. They have so many first round draft choice busts. It's unbelievable. They're not the only ones, but we're talking Steelers here, strictly Steelers here. And also, don't want to hear this. People want to talk about what can we do to get better. Show up, play, and win. You know. Leave some blood on the field. Leave blood on somebody else. You know, make somebody else hit <laughs> blood on the field. Do something other than walk around talking about what we ain't got and who we missing and all that. Because, again, you can't cry about shit you ain't got. You ain't got T.J. Watt. You know, you ain't got You know, you know, ain't got it. So what you going to do? Somebody's got to step up. Greg, one Can more you? before we let you go. And Steelers fans love. The famous picture of you and the T-shirt that they didn't hire me for my disposition. <laughs> I've got it framed right here in my studio. A company I saw up in uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, has created that T-shirt. So of course I ordered that. But what originally inspired you to get that T-shirt made? Well, I'll tell you guys again. Everybody thinks that that's something that was inspired by me. It had nothing to do with me at all. I was doing a reading. 
for a maybe fourth or fifth grade uh, class at a school in the auditorium. And when I got done, my honorarium was that church. I'd never looked at it. A guy put it in a, you know, dude, we get stuff, man. People give us, kids give us, and stuff like that. I saw the shirt. I didn't really pay attention to it. I was trying to get out of there. And when I got home, I looked at it. I was like, that was cool. And so <laughs> I cut the sleeves out of it, and I started wearing it because I thought it fit what I, you know, who I was. And, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, piss anybody off or make any statement. It was just like, hey, look at this. You know, the guys who know me know me. That's where the church came from. But I'm not one of those guys who go out and pick up the church. Hey, I'm bad. That's not me. You know, you do your thing. But yeah, this church came from a group of fourth and fifth grade. And uh, obviously that's how they saw me. So what a, what a way to honor them just like wearing the church. So the church, you know, became a, you know, identity thing with me and uh, wasn't something that wasn't my idea. <laughs> Greg, it's always an honor for us to have you as part of the show. We can't thank you enough for taking time out of your drive back home uh, to to, uh, to join us. You're fantastic, my friend. It's always a pleasure and a privilege for us to get to spend time with you. Likewise, guys. Chris, Joe, man, it's always good talking to you guys. And uh, have a Take Stay care. well, sir. Same thank to you, Greg. Take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. That is the great Greg Lloyd. I love that guy. <laughs> and we still love his disposition, Chris, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Nobody, no interview like that ever. None. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. He's a, he's one of a kind and, a, and uh, just a, just a great player. What a great player he was. And, and, and the way he interviews is the way he played on the field and it's the way he thinks. And that's what we love most about him. Yeah, and he'll be like that uh, until the last breath he takes. He's just—he's just an amazing guy, and I can't wait to talk to him again, Chris. You know, we have more. I, I just love listening to the old practices, he, and as he said, this is another reason I think, Chris. I mean, those guys—they they said they played their hardest games in practice, so they That's knew right. what they had when they went on the field every week. These guys don't have a chance to do that. He used to say those practices were like war, and he, he just—they yeah. guys now, and I was going to ask him that next time as far as that a big reason i don't think a lot of these teams know how good they are when they get to game time but the steelers did yes 100 percent. all right we've got our next guest delvin williams hanging on the line we're going to get to delvin on the other side of this message about our friends over at salt creek golf retreat and uh, a quick station break if you're looking for a great place for your annual golf outing, a weekend golf getaway, or just a round of golf with your buddies, then Salt Creek Golf Retreat is just what you're looking for. Centrally located in Nashville, Indiana, just south of Indianapolis and west of Cincinnati, this challenging but fair 18-hole golf course appeals to all skill levels, and its scenic views of rolling hills and tree-lined fairways are sure to make golfing memories for years to come. Owned and operated by former Purdue and New York Giants fullback Randy Manier, Salt Creek Golf Retreat offers stay-and-play packages that include golf and a fully furnished one- or two-bedroom condo. After your round, be sure to stop by the 19th Hole Sports Bar and Restaurant for great food, fun, and drinks. Randy and his staff will treat you like family. 
For more information, log on to saltcreekgolf.com. That's saltcreekgolf.com. Or give them a call at 812-558-5944. Salt Creek Golf Retreat. Start making your golfing memories today. Hear your favorite NFL legends sharing their stories and insights every week right here on Thursday Night Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari. Take it away, guys. All right, now back with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is former 49ers and Miami Dolphins Pro Bowl running back Delvin Williams. Let me remind you about Delvin's background. He's from Houston, Texas, played his college ball at the University of Kansas. He led them in scoring in 1973 into a 7-3-1 record and an appearance in the Liberty Bowl. Delvin was a second-round draft pick, the 49th selection overall by the San Francisco 49ers in 1974. Played in the league from 74 to 1981 with the 49ers and the Dolphins. He topped 1,200 yards rushing twice during his NFL career, once with the 49ers in 1976 and again with the Dolphins in 1978. He was named to the Pro Bowl in both of those seasons. He's hosted his own show, Life After Football, with Delvin Williams. Has a book out titled Fifth Ward to Fourth Quarter, Football's Impact on an NFL Player's Body and Soul, which you can get out on Amazon.com. And we're excited to have him back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Delvin, Chris, and Bob here. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hi, Delvin. Oh, thank you, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Sounds like you had a real active conversation there with Greg. (laughs) (laughs) All we do, Delvin. Yes, we do. Delvin, I want to start our time with you by going back to the beginning. You talk about this in your book, how you grew up in Houston's Fifth Ward. Your father was gone. You grew up without much money. And football filled a lot of the empty places in your life and in your spirit. Talk about what it was like for you growing up. Well, it was it was tough. I was the oldest of uh, four kids. Uh, my, my mother was 16 years old when I was born. And I lived with my grandparents and both were functionally illiterate, but they loved me and, and I loved them. And I didn't realize how big of an impact they had on my life until, it was, until they were gone. And, uh, uh, you know, growing up in that environment, um, you know, the summers on the streets of, of Fifth Ward, you know, sirens are going and guys are shooting dice and doing whatever uh, inner city kids do and get into. And that there's nothing else to do but, but to get in trouble, maybe. Because we, we live within the boundaries of our, of our ethnicity and, and, and rarely went outside of that. And we did those things to one another, uh, uh, all in the, all in the, all under the auspice of having fun. But, but it was, it was, I, I it, it, it was a, a great experience and I learned a lot from, you know, coming out of there and, 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 and getting out of there and, and moving forward to do other things. It was very helpful and, and, and I didn't think about it then. <laughs> But as I look back on it, it was, it was a great experience to have. And Delvin, as a kid coming out of the Fifth Ward in Houston, Texas, with your level of talent, how did you not get scooped up by the University of Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, or Nebraska, the big schools at the time in the Southwest Conference? How did you end up at Kansas? Well, there, in 1969, 1970, uh, uh, we just in integrated schools and uh, football teams. Sports organizations in, 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 in playing uh, uh, all sports against black and white. It was the first year of sports '67, and a lot of the guys didn't didn't really feel comfortable wanting to go to other schools. But I, but 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 Billy Matthews, my head football coach, 
was hired by the University of Kansas. And, uh, and in doing so, of course, he, 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 he brought me along with him. Now, other guys had left Houston too. I mean, like Greg Pruitt and, uh, Joe Washington, uh, had gone to Oklahoma, uh, Cliff Branch, Charlie Davis, J.V. Kane had gone to, uh, Colorado. And myself and, uh, Robert Miller and, and, and uh, Don Good, uh, all went to Kansas and we all eventually got drafted. So it was an exodus out of Texas at that point, uh, at that time. And, and, you know, because most guys weren't, weren't, weren't getting into school in Texas. I think Jerry Levice, those times Jerry Levice was the first black player to go, uh, to break kids to the Southwest Conference at SMU. And then Warren McVay went to the University of Houston. Both were great athletes. And Joe, when you talk about some of the great athletes that played during that time and from the mid sixties to the mid seventies, Kansas had two great running backs that came prior to you. Gail Sayers was there and John Riggins right before you. Did you get an opportunity to talk to either of those guys? Oh, oh God, yeah. Well, well, I wore number forty in high school because of Gail Sayers. That, 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 that kind of, uh, edged my bet a little bit too to go to KU because <laughs> I, uh, and he came back and he, he was, uh, uh, he was assistant athletic director for several years. And, uh, we get to talk to him, get to see him. And, and, and a lot of times all, all I could do was look at him and smile and say, Gail Sayers. But, uh, <laughs> but John Riggins was senior my freshman year. So I got, I, I, I was there with John for a year. Great, uh, a player, uh, a, a kind of a, 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 everybody knows his personality, but he was a, he was a really good guy, uh, a fun guy and, uh, uh, great player as he went on to be in, in the NFL. And Delvin, your last year at Kansas, 1973, you were among the conference leaders in rushing attempts, rushing yards, and you were second in reception. Talk about leading that yes. Kansas team. From a four and seven record in seventy two to seven four and one an appearance in a bowl game. Well, we 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 had a good uh, recruiting class our freshman year. We had some JC guys in there, but our quarterback David James, David had led the led the nation, I think, in passing. I don't, I can't remember his stats, but he was a great uh, drop back quarterback. Everybody else in the Big Eight at that time was running team. Of course, you wishbone out of OU and. Uh, the I, uh, I set coming out of Nebraska and, you know, and, and I would say, so we had some, we had some competitive, uh, schools in our conference and we were, we were a passing team. So we had, I think it was five guys in the top 10 in receiving, uh, 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 in that year, my senior year, uh, both receivers and both backs and the tight end was in the top 10. So wow. we, we had a we we had a good team, we had a good throwing team, and it was kind of like we had nurtured that team along, and we came to uh, came of age our senior year. Bob, questions for Delvin? Hey, Delvin, it's always a pleasure to have you back on. It's great to hear your voice, and I, I took a look at your uh, your high school, Kashmir in Houston, and uh, you know, impressive alumni network there, Delvin. Especially, fifteen players went on. To play in the NFL, and I did not know that Rodney Hampton was one of them. Now Hampton, yeah. to me, was one of the most underrated running backs to come out uh, of any school. Uh, I mean, being up here in the New York area, we knew who he was, but uh, I don't know if any too many people now remember his exploits. He had six or seven thousand yard uh, years in a row, and I mean, he was just incredible. Younger than you, I was just wondering if you ever guys uh, hooked up to talk <laughs> and. Just it's, it's stories about it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, uh, this summer, within the last year, uh, 
uh, I, I met Rodney for the first time when we knew of him. Uh, I'm kind of, I guess, the, the, the elder statesman uh, out of that group, but I met him at, uh, at, at, I was inducted into HISD, Houston Independent School District uh, Hall of Honor, and Rodney was there. And we talked and got to know each other and laughed a little bit. He, he, I said, well, Rodney, when were you here, Cassie? Uh, 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 I forget what year he told me. I said, oh, geez, my, uh, my, my senior year was 1969. He said, geez, that was the year I was born. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so what? What? <laughs> so it was that kind of a year, but 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 he, if I've gotten to know him, great guy, a very supportive of the school, and kind of low key, but he had great career. And I remember the years he was playing. I, I think I was on the on, on my way out, just about, and uh, uh, someone told me he was to my high school. I mean, Jacob Green was uh, from Casmir, uh, uh, who. Uh, Went on to do well uh, at Texas A&M. Uh, Tim Gray was the first round draft choice out of uh, A&M. So we had some Texas Tech. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm partial. Texas plays the best high school football in touch. And playing your first four years in San Francisco, Delvin. Uh, I, I think of the old days at Candlestick Park. I think of baseball games there, which were brutal uh, to watch in the <laughs> summer and everything. And I know for football they kind of enclosed it, and it was a little easier, but Talk about uh, your memories of Candlestick and San Francisco as a sports town back in the seventies. Well, 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 San Francisco was a great, a great town, a great city, a great place to play and live. And uh, after my first year there, I, 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 I this is the place for me to be. Uh, I, I loved it. You weren't far from uh, a beautiful places like Pebble Beach, uh, uh, Tahoe. Uh, the wine country. So it was, it was just, it was a great experience and they love their football. I didn't know very much about, uh, San Francisco football before because I, I was always a cowboy fan growing up and, and they, they, they would always beat, they were beating San Francisco in the playoffs and I understood that San Francisco was always frustrated with them. But, 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 but the, uh, uh, but, but the guys that were here when you get here and you start playing with them, they were some of the best guys, best players in the NFL. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was, Six, seven-time All-Pro, Mel Phillips, uh, Dave Wilcox, Cedric Tomahart, uh, Gene Washington. So we had some guys. And in the year that I was drafted in, in 74, I think they drafted five or six backs. Wilbur Jackson was his first-round draft choice. And Wilbur and I ended up being uh, roommates. So it was a, but, but, but it was a, it was a, a great place to play. And I, and, and I, and I, I, I got introduced to the difference between pain and in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you reach when you reach that level. Delvin, in 1976, you're coming off a, a Pro Bowl season. You're third in the league in rushing. Two years later, you're playing for the Miami Dolphins. Traded to open up space in San Francisco so they could trade for O.J. Simpson. Were you surprised that the Niners traded a I great was, young talent like more, you in more, favor of O.J.? I was more than surprised. I was hurt. Uh, 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 and, and that, and that stayed with me for a while because I was just coming off of a good year. And at the same time, it brought Money Clark in, who, who did a hell of a job for us. Uh, uh, he, he changed the culture of the team. He put, uh, Wilbur and I in the backfield together instead of us competing. Uh, he, he was, he was a great offensive line coach. So he, he brought our line on right away. We lost two games in overtime in that year. We were eight six. We win those games, win the playoffs. Uh, uh, and so, uh, it, but when, when, when the season was over with, uh, um, you know, the, the DeBartolo's bought the team and, and they had hired, uh, Joe Thomas 
And Joe uh, was, well, he had this, 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 this belief in himself, and nothing wrong with that, I guess, that he was a great general manager. And uh, he wanted to be in charge of it. Monty said he would not give up uh, 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 his, his, the decision to decide who plays on the team. And, and, and Joe wanted that, that, that uh, uh, power. And, uh, and, and Monty lost out, or he chose to, to leave. And it, it, was a, it was a big disappointment for all of us. And, and, and the change of the team, we went right back into that same uh, uh, mentality of not knowing, having, any, having a, a firm direction not knowing what we're going through transition. And, and so I had led the team in rushing for the last two years and gone to the Pro Bowls. I, I, I thought I was in pretty good shape there. And, uh, and I go in this, this, uh, 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 a contract negotiation with, uh, with Joe and, and, uh, and it, and it was, I was kind of bitter about the way it went because the, and we'll get into the details of it, but, but when they, after the season was over with, that's when all of the rumors coming around and saying sports writers are coming to me and asking me about uh, um, OJ. I, what are you going to say? He's a great running back. You know, he has he, he, his, his statistics speak for, for him. And uh, I didn't want to go. I, I don't want to go. I'd rather stay here. We, I will just wait and see what happens. And I don't know, maybe two weeks later, boom, the deal was made. But, you know, I think I, when, when you get out of kind of look back and you see some of the business decisions of it, which then you're not thinking about that. I mean, if they give they give up four players for one Miami, then that's four salaries they don't have to pay. And uh, and, and they get me in for the salary I was already on, which was one year left. So the business side of it, and I and I told Joe on the phone after the trade. I said, "Gee, Joe, if you were a woman, I would kiss you. You know, if you know, trade me, if you're sending me, sending me to Miami. You know, that what what better place to go." And to that to that end, you get an opportunity to go there and play for Don Shula. What was it like playing for Coach Shula? Well, you know, it, it was uh, uh, well. I had played one year under Monty Clark, who ran the team, uh, uh, who brought the whole design Miami to uh, 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 San Francisco, and, and Monty had built that offensive line there. I mean, Kuzberg, Little Langer, uh, uh, Moore, and uh, uh, um, and Current. You know, these guys were perennial All Pros. And, and, and I, and, and supposedly, you know, all they were missing was a, was a halfback. They had some good backs, but I, you know, hey, what am I going to say? But going there, you know, the thing that I, I think was the most important thing for me was, you know, playing for Don Jewel, you, you learn how to, to win. Like, uh, Greg was talking about on the last section. Um, you know, you don't, you lose the game, you know, you don't, you don't set, that doesn't set well. You know, uh, uh, and you're, you're, you're going to play. In fact, talking about playing with injuries, my rookie year in San Francisco, I broke my wrist, played the whole year with, the, with a broken wrist. Uh, uh, in Miami, I, I, uh, tore my bicep, uh, 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 on my left arm. I played the whole season with it torn and with the neck, uh, uh, getting worse. So you, 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 you expect to play and you, you want to play. And I, 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 I thought, my, I thought of myself as a player that to be counted on in those situations. And I think that was one of the things that really brought me wrong. When you give all you, you want, you have for the team, for the good of the team, you would think that they would come back and then take care of you. Uh, and, and that's what, uh, uh, both years in negotiation, I, 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 I went into the season unsigned and three weeks into the season in Miami, 
unsigned. And 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 the third day, the third week, I I I, I signed. But that game, I had a concussion. <laughs> so those things you 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 know doesn't sit well because you're putting you understand what you're putting on the line now, uh, as opposed to you, you know we're not sorry eyed kids anymore. Uh, uh, one injury uh, can take uh, you know can end your career, whatever career we we think we may have had. Bob, more for Delvin. Yeah, Delvin, in that first year in Miami, uh, your your most yard rushing ever in a season, and uh, that was under Howard Schnellenberger. We heard a lot about Schnellenberger in the past. People always thought he was an offensive genius. What were your opinions of him at the time? Well, you know, I, I Howard Howard uh, 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 had just I don't know. I think he was up in New York with uh, uh, Coach Orangeburg when he came back. I I got along well with Howard. The receivers, he worked from the depth. Matt Moore, Duriel Harris, they, they were always upset. But I didn't have to, he wasn't my coach, but he, but as far as the, uh, 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 the system we had, it was always, uh, uh, the system that, that, that Coach Jula had put in. I, I, I don't know when, but, but they all had worked together. And, um, and so while I was there, Howard, my year there, my first year there, Howard then signed a contract to, to, to become the, uh, University of Miami's head coach. And, and so I asked Howard, I said, well, Howard, you know, why, why, why would you go, go to college? He says, Del, he says, if we could get these kids, he says, the, 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 the players in this area, there are so many players in this area that if we could get them to understand this pro offense, we never have to leave Miami to play. We, we would win. And, and, and lo and behold, look what happened. He turned that whole system around, so that speaks for him. But Howard was a—he uh, he worked, he worked guys, but but he knew the system. He knew what we needed to get done, what we wanted to get done. For me, I'm walking right into a system that I, I was, I had in in, in San Francisco, so I kind of knew it. But uh, uh, getting used to the coaches in, in their system and their way of doing things and what they expected uh, uh, was a whole. And uh, on the same way as San Francisco, how about the Orange Bowl as your uh, home stadium? This is before the Joe Robbie days, everything, Delvin. Orange Bowl as a stadium and Miami as a sports town at the time. <laughs> well, 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 there is no comparison with stadiums. You know, the Orange Bowl was far, far better. We used to call Candlestick Candlestone Park. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. when you fall, you fall on that turf, uh, it's awful. I remember. In, in 76, we were playing, uh, I think it was the Saints and, and Willie McGee was on our team. Willie was a world class friend. He was a very bright wide receiver, uh, that never got a lot of playing time, but, but he, he was playing with us in that year. He was a good alternative, a good combination between him and Gene Washington. They couldn't double either one. And, uh, uh, and so Willie ran a route, a deep route. It, it was Mac coverage max protection i stayed in the block and i was on the on the ground and and i looked up willie was out pass was incomplete he was laying on the ground and he raised his leg up and it was almost like an ape get broken his boot and 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 we ran down and it was just just awful uh and part of it's that turf you know i mean it doesn't give it 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 it, it did it didn't give because it was Oh, it was like a, a, a rug over, over, over cement and a, oh. a thin rug over cement. And, and I don't know how it ended up breaking, but it was just an off site. I dislocated the toe that day just making a cut. 
because uh, 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 Turks didn't give. You, you see these games nowadays where guys uh, they 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 uh, tear ligaments in their knees and screw their ankle up just making a cut on Turks. So so Miami we had we had, we had beautiful grass and it was a uh, 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 well manicured, taken care of. I I, I love playing it still. Delvin, I want to get back to your book because several of your peers have told us about the suddenness of retirement. When you're not a guy that's, you know, destined for the Hall of Fame, there's no teary-eyed press conference or on-field presentations. You get cut, the phone doesn't ring again, and that's how you suddenly realize you're now retired. Was that how it happened for you? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it, 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 it did it, it, in a broad way, but, but, but I think there's much deeper uh, uh, things that goes into this that we weren't aware of it as players or uh, 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 I, I remember, you know, as a kid, we were watching the NFL, a, a game of the weekend. Grown men were playing this game of football and getting paid to play. And we thought, wow, what a, what a life that would be. You know, I mean, the, the announcer talked about their lives away from the game and it drew these vivid pictures in your eye, in your mind about what that life could be. And you thought, wow, and it promised. It, it was there was a there was an unspoken promise in it that uh, get there and you'll never have to worry about anything else again. And now, as life goes on and you go through this and, and, and you drive, you don't know if you're going to make it or not. You know, but this is a dream. Like I can't tell you anything else. I would have rather done over with. What are you going to do? So, but 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 it, it happens at the most at, at, at the most inopportune time sometimes. However, what what I think happens and what goes on is why we're so locked into it because I I I believe that we need the game more than the game needs us. Uh, uh, in, in a sense that you know it, it, it dealt with it dealt with all these primal needs we have: team, family, team, all these issues that you can find right there in the team. And, uh, 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 and, and so, and we didn't know that then, you know, I remember when I was walking on campus, you could see guys walking around the campus, nobody messed with them. There was this energy in this air about them that was this, this consciousness about the team. And, 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 and what happens in, in, in subconsciously, the team replaces the family. And, and, and that, you know, you, you, you count on one another, you're there, you have a leader, you trust your leader, it takes you through. Life and you can't think of anything else you want to do. You 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 big on campus. You you, you you play well. Uh, you go to college and then all those things are embedded in your psyche and you're getting all your primal needs met. Heck, we could go to college uh, uh, uh from high school and we walk right into a ready-made family and team as opposed to somebody else uh, uh that comes up alone from a small town and it's on a big campus by themselves. And so as we go through this whole process, we, we become dependent upon it and subconsciously because we, 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 we have somebody feeding us, somebody taking care of us, and we, we're given a plan to execute. But we've never been able to, no one has ever helped us develop a plan, but we can execute plan. And, 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 and as we go through this, you become a pro. Now, now you become, you're, you're, you're a man now. <laughs> And you, you, you're playing with grown men that has kids, that have kids. This dream you've had, now you're there. Uh, uh, and, and so you can, you know that there's now, there's going to be an ending coming. And, and you have, so that you don't know. I mean, injuries, that's why guys, a lot of guys play hurt. Uh, a, a lot of, there's, but there's also a lot of, uh, 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 peer pressure. 
you see other guys playing hurt. And guys who get good practice all week get shot and they play on Sunday. But when the game is over, with this becomes your life. This becomes who you are in the record. And, and you haven't done anything else. And when it's over, uh, uh, when I was released, you know, my, I, my first day in Green Bay, uh, uh, the night before game, I got a phone call at five o'clock in the morning from my cousin to tell me my mother had died. And oh. I, I had to get up, uh, 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 and, and, and get ready. You, you know, you can imagine where my hair and, 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 and get on a plane, get back to Green, from Milwaukee to Green Bay, back to Houston. Well, uh, and I'm thankful for the Packers because uh, uh, from the time I left that hotel room, I never waited in line for a plane or a ticket or anything. They ushered me straight through on the Houston and made the trip much better. And so when I, you know, you go through what you have to go through, you get back, and, and now you got a week under your belt. And then the next week, you, you know, you get the full week under your belt. Saturday before the game, the church comes to get me. And, and, and the Turk is anyone on a team that, that, that tells you the coach wants to see it, bring a playbook. Now, I had seen this happen many times. You know, you, we were all, we all knew someone that, that got, you know, uh, to see Bart. And, you know, he, he was, he was, he's a, he's a stand-up guy. I like Bart. And I told my coach I've been around this long enough to know that someday, uh, uh, this was going to happen. I wished them well and luck, good luck because they just, they, they were there for me at a time with my knee. And, uh, uh, I got on a plane, I got home and I, and I felt, I just relaxed and it collapsed. Uh, the next morning I woke up on Sunday, I turned the TV on, it was a football game. And I never seen a football game from, a uh, a, a, a Sunday football game from my bed. I started watching this game and, uh, uh, and all of a sudden I just felt this uh, uh, swelling up inside of me, this anger, this frustration, and I started talking to myself and looking at the running back. He's not that good. I could be doing that, you know. <laughs> and you start going through this whole process of disengagement, and 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 there's no there's no uh, 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 system, no process, no support for that. You know, it's kind of like being in a room with the windows closed, and you don't want to go outside. You're afraid to open the window uh, uh, because you know if you, you turn from blank. A, a, a blank slate again. All the things that you, 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 have learned about football is not transferable. All of the things that, you know, that people have thought about athletes now start to become you. Uh, they're not smart. They're not this well. I, I, you know, I was, I was academically ineligible when I graduated four years. So all, none of that had anything to do with it. We weren't prepared. No one prepared us and no one was there to support us. So, it's, so a tough, Delvin, it's a tough thing. Yes, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. Complete your thought. No, no, no. It's a it's a tough thing to face alone. And and I and I and I think I believe that's my opinion. I mean, I went to therapy, and I'm proud that I did, and glad that I did. It, it, it helped me because football is not a, 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 a place. Professional football is not a place for you to do any self introspective. Uh, 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 looking within yourself, at yourself. It's not, it's not, it's not a great place for it. We're with a job that just totally wasn't built for that. And, and when you're trying to get your life together, they're telling you to play, you gotta play with pain. Well, the doctor told me once, when I was getting my hip replaced, he wanted, you gotta use this pain medicine because you cannot heal if you're in pain. And that was the first time I was ever told. And but all of these things now you you're starting to deal with, you're starting to look at, you're starting to have to 
digest it. You start tracing your history and you look at where you were lied to, where you were told different things and all, and, and, and things, uh, 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 that, that pops up that nobody could give you an answer for. And on top of that, they did not want to give you your notice to work compensation. Kelvin, just a couple more before we let you go. And as a star running back, you talked an awful lot about the aches and the pains and the, and the pounding that your body took for a lot of years. What's life been like for you physically in the years since your playing days? Well, <laughs> I've had 19 surgeries in post-foot. Wow. I've had 26 all together. I just had another of my fourth shoulder surgery end of August. And I've been in rehabilitation for yet. I've had both hips replaced. I've had seven shoulder surgeries. I've had back surgery, uh, ankles, toes. Uh, and I am right as we speak in court 12 years fighting for work compensation benefits. Wow. I'm one of the lucky ones. Is that right? Yeah. If you're still fighting for it, I mean, we all know what's happened in the years since the movie Concussion came out and, and all of those sorts of things and the settlement and all of that. Why why are they still fighting you for workers' compensation? Uh, you know, it, that, that is a good question. They just don't want to pay it because they can get away with it and they can do it. I and, and, and here's the other piece of this. I can't even hire a lawyer. Really? Why? They want, they want none to take my case. That's all. And and and, and 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 I've been trying to do this on my own, and I've gotten it to a point where we I, I go before a judge again in uh, uh, on the on the eleventh of January, and it's been another year. And I, I, there there I, I, I I'm going to refrain from saying certain things because we're in the middle of this. But after it's done, uh, uh, depending on how it all turns out, I I can tell you things that that will you won't believe. No doubt. Well, we 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 hope it goes in your favor, obviously. But when it's over with, we look forward to hearing the story. Delvin, before you we let you it. go, let our listeners know how can they get a copy of your book and then stay up to date with what you're doing. Is there a way for them to follow you, whether it's online or on social media? Well, I've I've just started to get back into social media on on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, all all of this is new. All of this to me during the time I was playing, we didn't have social media at that time. Uh, Texas a and Press uh, prints, prints the book. Uh, uh, um, I think it's on Amazon. Um, and I, I have to give a, a, a shout out to uh, uh, Tom Lemons and, and Pat uh, Claybaugh at, at Texas a and Press. The job they did for me in getting this done in the time that they did. I really appreciate it. But uh, it's thirty-five dollars, and it, 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 it and I'm partial. It is worth it. It is worth it. There's there's never been a book that's been written about what life is like afterwards. Everything that's been written is about the ascension to the game, but nothing about when it's over. So this gives a young kid a peek into the future if they choose to play what it might be. Well, Delvin, it's been great having you back as part of the show. We obviously look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you for your time. Thanks for being here. And um, you're fantastic, my friend. We look forward to hearing more of the story. Thank you guys for having me. And anytime, just let me know. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care, Delvin. All the best in your family. Have have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. See you, Delvin. That is the great Delvin Williams, Bob. And And it's unfortunately too familiar a story for the NFL alumni, for the guys that are, you know, 
dealing with a lot of things, both physically and psychologically after, after their uh, playing careers have been over. We've heard the story a few times, but 26 surgeries in all, 19 since retired. Yeah, a guy that literally gave his life and health football, Chris, and somehow there's people out there that think you shouldn't take care of somebody like this. They got a similar problem in baseball where there's all the money in the world in that game, Chris, and there's guys that just fall get hour, you know, hours short of uh, vesting in a pension. Uh, now you get up for one game in the major leagues, your baby's basically set for life, health insurance, et cetera. But we can't help these guys. Uh, when they're making gazillions, they can't help these guys. If about four or five players, and this can go in the NFL too, about four or five players got together, pooled their money, uh, we can take care of a lot of these problems. That's exactly right. All right, we've got our next guest, Lee and Aaron Hansen, hanging on the line. We're going to get to them right after this real quick station break. This is Reggie Kelly, former Cincinnati Bengals and Atlanta Falcons tight end, and you're listening to TNT, Thursday Night Tailgate. Brace yourself for the explosion. All right, now back with us are Aaron and Lee Hansen, owners and inventors of Guardian Cap which you've likely seen being worn on the helmets now at just about every level of football. NFL teams have adopted them, wearing them in OTAs, training camp, and during the week at practice. It's a great protective device that goes on the outside of the helmets designed to reduce the impact of helmet-to-helmet and helmet-to-ground compact. Um, with the rate and the severity of concussions, Lee and Aaron created the company going back to 2011. We met them very early on and the company very early in the history of this show and thought, wow, this thing, this it's a no-brainer. Every helmet at every level of football should be using Guardian caps. took way longer than we thought it should take to get adopted at every level. I'm sure it took way longer than they thought it should as well, but we're excited that we get to have both of them back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Lee. Hey, Aaron. Chris and Bob here. Thanks for coming Welcome, back guys. on the show. Hey, Chris and Bob. Hey, Chris and Bob. We, we call it a 12-year overnight story. We're just as surprised as you are that we're still here. Trust me. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. But like I say, you know, we've been a supporter of you guys since, you know, you first joined us a, 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 about six or seven years ago. And at the time, we were hoping to, you know, hear that, you know, everything is just getting started. You guys were hoping just to get youth football and high school teams to give the product a try. We thought, how would why wouldn't everybody give this thing a try? I mean, if it's going to lessen the impact of helmet to helmet and helmet to ground contact, why wouldn't every player at every level insist on having this thing, let alone the team provide it? I mean, take us back to the early days. What was it like? How hard was it to get teams <laughs> to give you guys a second look? I, I, I don't know if you want to know how it was. This was, this was Lee and I creating the prototype at the kitchen counter and throwing it in our trunk and embarrassing our middle school son when we whipped it out of the trunk at tailgate to show people just <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um yeah, we you know, we thought the same thing. We thought this is a no brainer. You know, why why does it matter what you look like at practice? Why in the heck would you get banged up all week? Why wouldn't you save yourself for game day? Um, you know, why not take the impact off of all those incidental hits, even if you're doing low or no contact practices. I mean, it made sense to us. Just, you know, when you're messing around with, with football, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of traditionalists that really don't want things to change. So take us back to the con 
I, you know, when, when you first were thinking about this, whether you're drawing it on a napkin or whatever, where did the inspiration and the need come from? You thought, you know what, we need to do something here. Well, I mean, we got a science and technology. I'm I'm a chemical engineer from Georgia Tech, and uh, we had some doctors come to us, and they had the great idea of having a padded football helmet. And so we helped them with the technology on doing that and uh, took it out there. But the market wasn't ready for a padded football helmet, which is now the vice. It's the precursor to the vice football helmet. And so we said, you know what, if we can't uh, come up with a football helmet, let's come up with a add-on product that you can put onto all football helmets. And so we basically took our technology from uh, our science company and uh, put it together and created this cap. And we did one size fits all, <laughs> put it out there. And it's amazing, like what Aaron said, a lot of, we, we embarrassed our son bringing it around to people. But people who did use it, people who did adopt it, they got it because they started seeing the results early on. I mean, what we heard in NFL this year about the reduction of concussions we've been hearing that for the last yeah. 10 years just just to be super responsible you know you, we've kind of had to wait for science to catch up with us right i mean when we started this over a decade ago testing was pretty rudimentary and you know, we, we never claimed something that we couldn't prove and what we could prove was the reduction of impact and you know you draw the line does, does it help to have a reduction of impact well that's pretty common sense like, if you're going to hit your head on the table right now, you sure as hell would rather have a pad in between your head and the table. <laughs> so it, may, it makes sense. And sometimes things are too common sense for people. You know, they, they really want to know exactly why it's working and how it's working. And, you know, it's, it's just basic physics. And, and what we've come to find out along the path is it was more than just the pad. It's, it's that independent movement. So you're really deflecting the energy around the helmet instead of through it because it's moving independently of the helmet. And um, just some other things. I mean, we just dampening the sound and the vibration. You know, there's nothing like getting in a room of former players and you bang two football helmets together and they all hit the ground like PTSD. So <laughs> when you when you bang two padded caps together, it's you know it's just a soft thud and. We we got a lot of feedback from players saying they felt better after practice. And so, you know, how in the hell do you claim that? So, you know, it was really a word of mouth kind of spread and adoption that happened. And once coaches put it on the players and players started giving feedback, they kept it on. So I think it, you know, it's kind of like you said, we, we started out really wanting to protect youth players with developing brains. And what we found out is, you know, the little guys don't do anything that their high school brothers aren't doing and the high schoolers don't want to do anything that the college guys aren't doing. And it was, you know, we got a lot more traction. And top level started doing it and started filtering down. So let's take that a half step further. What were some, without naming names, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but what were <laughs> some of the kind of ridiculous things you guys heard from coaches and schools along the way that, you know, you're walking back to the car going, really? Um, you're not going to teach them to hit unless they, they hit in practice. They won't get used to the hit as though the brain was a muscle that you could train. You know, your, your brain doesn't get stronger by hitting. <laughs> so that, that was the one that always got me. Stuck. The other ones, the coach is coming back saying, I never wore anything like that. And look at me. I'm just fine. 
Yeah. And some of the coaches would look kind of go, eh. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, what, what was your name again? And it's like, oh, dear God. <laughs> well, Bob, questions for Lee and Aaron? Yeah, Lee and Aaron, it's great to have you back on it. Chris said we've been on the bandwagon day one to us. Uh, you sold us the first night we talked to Lee, and it's it just, it's actually saving lives, and if we can go on and on, I just think of the politics involved that you guys had to deal with. And the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm on the website, you know, I'm seeing a black helmet right there. Uh, if this were to get to the NFL some days, uh, would there be any problem? I mean, as far as the licensing, the putting logos on these, uh, the caps, et cetera, that must be something that you've had to think about over. Well, the NFL mandated us last for all 32 teams for O-line, D-line, tight ends, and linebackers. Mm-hmm. So they, when they mandated it, you know, we first sent out samples to the teams, and they have the logo on there. And then we got a call back that said, we need you to take the logos off. <laughs> really? Why? Wow. wow. Um, because we're not a – yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they said if we wanted to be a partner, it would be eight figures to be <laughs> Seven a partner. Eight figures. Said, there you go, you know what? Right? We're we're going to keep wow. we're going to keep the price low and try to help as many players as we can. So we're we're not going to go that route. It's like Lee said, you know, the the beauty of the product is that it's one size fits all. So the same size they're wearing at Clemson, they're wearing, you know, in the youth league. And so a coach doesn't have to say, I've got this many of this helmet and this many of that. I mean, he just you know orders twenty caps and they go on every helmet. Well, so. well Bob, I have to say, I mean, look at it. It is really unique looking, <laughs> and we have all types of patents written around it. So there's, if you see one out there, it's from the Guardian. <laughs> For sure. Nobody would put something that ugly out there with us. And to be quite honest, the intention all the intention all along was to make it better looking and to keep to keep evolving the product. But when you're getting the feedback you're getting, and it was working as well as it was working. We were super hesitant to change anything. So we get on Twitter and laugh with everybody else. I mean, I've heard, looks like a toad. It looks like a mushroom. I mean, we've heard, we've heard some things I won't even repeat, but (laughs) 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 we'd love, we'd love to change the aesthetic of it, but you know, it's a practice device and, and you know, sometimes function takes precedence. I think of the same thing with cars. Give me an ugly car that runs real good. I'll drive it all day long, right? I mean, it's, there's no difference. To me, there's no difference at all. Yeah, a lot but, of uh, ugly cars are out there uh, back in the day, and now they're classic. There you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I'm, um, we always tell you know, the there's no years of practice. <laughs> you know, I think a big deal right now, and I know a lot of parents who kept their kids from playing youth football because of the concussion problem. Uh, what you guys are doing, you may be bringing back these kids and a future generation of kids that wouldn't have played, have now played. I'm sure you've heard from a lot of parents of kids that age. Uh, you probably get a lot of thanks from them. We do. And, you know, you mentioned it's helmet to helmet, helmet to ground, but it's really helmet to all body parts. You know, I think the Rams called us frantically when Matthew Stafford hurt his thumb last year. And practice, you know, he throws pass, rotates his hand, and some came down and cracked on a hard shell helmet. And so we overnight tapped yeah, that night. That night. <laughs> yeah, they we got to have tomorrow. We, we got to have these on the whole O line and D line. Yeah, so it's it's not just you know, I mean, everyone's 
obviously focus on the brain. I mean, that's pretty important. And we, we've had, we've had many, many coaches coming to us and saying, you know, I was having a hard time getting kids signing up for football, yeah. but once we adopted yeah. the guardian cap, the parents allowed them said, yeah. Hey, yeah, we, we, oh, we see great. you're taking the best protocol possible. Sure. We want to bring our kids out. Absolutely. So let's go back to the logo thing for a minute because why wouldn't the <laughs> league want you? To put the logos on there. I mean, I, I get the licensing, but I, I would think since they're mandating it at practice, why not mandate it in a game? Why can't they just have the, the the guardian cap on there all the time? They just, you know, I, they talked. I know that Dr. Sills was asked in an interview situation if they if the results were good enough, would they ever expand the use in the game day? And you know, his answer was was along the lines of never say never. So who knows? You know, we can make it logoable at some point to where we can put their logos on it for a game day. I don't know if they'll go that direction or not. Well, I'm sure you'll hear before we do. <laughs> but we, you know, they just, as far as a Guardian logo on there, we had to take Guardian logo off just because, you know, then you're upsetting the other sponsors who are paying for that advertising space. Well, the Falcons right. want to put their logos on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Their- yeah, they can do anything they want. We just can't have a Guardian logo on Oh, okay. All right. Um, yep. Aaron, you mentioned a minute ago, uh, and, and I've seen, I've seen this on your website, guardiansports.com, that the purpose of the cap is not only to reduce the force of impact, but also shows that soft shell helmet technology is superior to hard shell. Talk about that, why that's the case. Well, they, they went, you know, the, the evolution of football was to start with, you know, the soft leather helmet. And they were having, you know, injuries as severe as death because of a cracked, you know, fractured skull. And so they knew that they needed that hard shell and that did away with skull fractures. So that was, you know, that was pretty awesome. But that's before they started studying brain. So now we've eliminated skull fractures, but, but we're focused on that plus and so we, and I think the NFL has pretty much stated that they feel like the superior engineering design is a two-part system. So you've got that hard shell to eliminate skull fractures, and then you've got a soft cushion on the outside that deflects the energy and reduces the impact. I mean, if you, if you look back in history, back in 1968, there was an article written in Sports Illustrated when Rawling had a soft cover on their football helmets, on top of the hard shell. And it was written by the American uh, Medical Association that that is the best technology for head, to prevent head injury. And it just never went anywhere. But it never took yeah. off. Yeah. Wow. And people like the look of the hard shell. I mean, they think the helmets are cool. You know, that's, pageantry is part of it. I think people, you know, like the look of the helmets. And, you know, I think that's what a lot of the pushback was when we got started was, you know, don't change the look of football. So. We were trying to save the game of football and yeah. save those brains and those right. players. So. <laughs> so, so we focused on practices, and who knows, someday it may be in the game. Well, thanks. I, certainly for you, Chris and Bob, there is no reason these players shouldn't wear that in the game. 100%. Oh, yeah. And you guys, you, you talk about planking two hard shell helmets together, but actually with, when, with the guardian cap, right, it, it also causes less, less friction when the helmets yeah. come together versus... Right. When you've got two painted helmets, right? Well, the, the first, the first feedback we got was, you know, hard shell helmets, um, allow the glows to, bl- glows to glance off of one another. 
so that you're not torquing the neck. And so they said, oh, man, those guardian caps are going to cause those two helmets to stick. You're going to cause neck injuries. And quite honestly, a couple big universities didn't do it for a little while because of that. And then what we showed was that the coefficient of friction of that cap is less than the polycarbonate shell. So it's yeah. slipperier and it moves. So you're not adding additional risk to the net. Yeah, so we did all types of laboratory studies showing the coefficient of friction being lower on the guardian cap than the actual painted helmet. And then the NFL lab, Biocor, uh, University of Virginia, they studied it, studied neck injury, and everything came back as not a problem. It's not an issue whatsoever. It does not cause additional risk. So the science proves that yeah. it's not a problem. And, yeah, that was important. Right. And, and I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with that, right? Because one of the other things is you mentioned how it moves and the energy disperses around the helmet. It also reduces the whiplash effect, right? From violent helmet to helmet contact, the neck doesn't snap back as violently when you've got a guardian cap on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, they've done, uh, what is NI, uh, NIJ testing for yeah. neck testing. And then they've, the, the cool thing about the NFL lab is that the standard helmet test you know, for years and years, they've just used a drop test to verify helmets. And what the NFL labs are doing differently is they're using a linear impactor that also factors in rotational forces. So it, it's pretty cool. That's what I'm saying is, is science, you know, keeps, keep progressing. <laughs> keep, keep progressing. Keep more they're, more. they're learning more and more about why it's working. Yes, it's common sense that it would work, but why? And that's, that's kind of what they're getting into now. And the, and the gentleman that leads up the whole NFL engineering department is Dr. Jeff Crandall, and he's an automotive. He, for 30 years, he did automotive crashes, and he had every piece of equipment available for yeah. automotive tests, and he's translated that now into football. He's one of those guys with more degrees now. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Moore for Lee and Aaron. Yeah, last one for me, guys. I, I'm just wondering, have you been approached or have you given it thought about other sports such as hockey and baseball? Right away, Chris, I'm thinking baseball, when these guys throw 100 miles per hour, I see right. guys, and they have no way of controlling it anymore. These guys can't place it. Just throw as hard as you can. I'm seeing people get hit in their days and everything. Uh, just throwing it out there as far as other sports, designs, have you thought about it or are you just too wrapped up in football right no, we, we worked on the, we worked on the baseball cap for a while, but the test metric that they're looking for is, is an 83 mile an hour baseball. And, mm -hmm. and to get that thing to where it reduces enough impact, it's too, it's, it's too bulky. And that was for a cap, not a cap. Yeah, that was for a cap. So sure. we, we kind of abandoned that and we're waiting for materials to get better and better. But, um, as far as like, Lacrosse, you know, we've we've had quite a few purchases of of the football guardian cap for lacrosse helmets for goalies and things like that. It's just the hockey or the um, lacrosse helmet. And we've had hockey. And then we, I, I made a prototype for hockey, and I think I made a hundred of them. And it was cool because it was a study that that was done with the, um, I think it was the junior U.S. hockey. Yeah. I, I can't remember who the league was. But what was interesting is they put it on the little ones that were learning to skate, and they said it typically takes them about two to three weeks to learn how to skate because when they hit that ice and that hard shell cracks on the ice, it scares them, and they won't do it anymore. <laughs> when they yeah. were recording that, they were all skating in two to three days because you fall, and it's just like this thud. <laughs> they jump right back, up, jump right back up. So hockey will be next. We were trying to get to where we are in football, and I think with the NFL – 
stepping up to the plate and really leading the charge on development for, you know, solving the brain injury crisis. I think that's, that's really opened a lot of doors. So. And then like the, with yeah. the NFL going, we've had the CFL contact us. We had yeah. the USF or the USFL contact us. Yeah. I mean, it's just spreading. It's spreading. spreading. It's exciting. And truthfully, this could be something you might not realize. One of our biggest leagues is in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> is that right? Wow. We yeah. sell a ton of guardian caps to a gentleman by the name of Boo yeah. who represents the Boo's Japan. awesome. Yeah. Wow. For what league know, in Japan? Is like, for for a football league in Japan? It's football, yeah, American they football. They love American American football. Football. Is that right? All mm-hmm. the kids in colleges, they're, they're all wearing guardian caps in Japan. See, you learn something wow. new every day. And exactly <laughs> right. That's we, why we're here. We <laughs> so, I think the dragon so, yeah. in Europe. We got UK too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that was you know my next question was going to be I mean what what is next is it further developing of of those markets or or you got something that you're noodling on? Um, well, you know we 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 went into lacrosse because our son ended up being a goalie for Georgia Tech and we got tired of him getting you know hit in the in the arms <laughs> and legs and chin and everything else with a hundred mile an hour ball so we. We make the pearl lacrosse ball at our facility in Atlanta. So it's any U.S. made lacrosse ball and it, it, it's not like the rubber balls that get harder and harder over time, like your car tires. It's a urethane ball. So it never, never goes out of spec. So that was another safety device that we made because we knew it would keep kids safer. They don't give a crap about that. They care about the fact <laughs> that it stays grippy. It doesn't turn into a greaser and it comes out of the sex the same every time. So the beautiful thing that we have right now is Top, uh, top seven out of the 10 NCAA programs, UVA, Duke, North Carolina, Maryland, all of them are using the pearl. They get 20 cases of rubber balls given to them every year. They go through them in about three weeks and throw them away, and then they buy 10 cases from us. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And, wow. uh, use those yeah, pretty proud of that. And then, and then we've partnered with, um, a new, a new product on the market called Lizard Police. So lizard is it's a it's a sleeve that it has wicking on one side and it has a grip on the other side that's woven in to help um you know help grip the ball when you get sweaty or you get wet out on the field. So we're just now rolling that out. Yeah, most so. sleeves are out there made out of uh spandex or something like that. When you get hot, sweaty, you get slick and you can't really grip the ball. This one is a three D woven. Uh, again, some gentlemen out of Georgia Tech uh, developed this and it's got a great grip to it. And it's just absolutely fantastic. Several NFL uh, programs are using it. Some college programs are using yeah, it. So it's kind of and cool. it's, a, it's a neat new product that's bringing yeah. out. And then the last thing that we've been working on is um, uh, biobased infill to replace the rubber pellets on the field. You know, the, you know how the kids come off the field and they've got shoes full of black yeah. rubber pellets? Oh, yeah. So we, so Lee went to the lab and developed a um, biobased infill. That keeps the fields about 28 degrees cooler. So instead of your cleats wow. burn into the, yeah. So as we kind of see different, different for us, it's about, it all revolves around common safety. You know, even the lizard cleat keeps you from skidding and, and tearing up your arms on the turf. So if, it, if it's got a safety thread through it, we, we're into it. And, you know, obviously that the players care about the performance that comes with those products. So. We try to we try to make sure that they're safer and better performance. So that's kind of what we're it's our goal. Yeah, that's fantastic. Good for you guys. You guys are the good guys. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. And we're stuff. fine, Dave. We're a little tired. I'm not going to lie. No doubt. <laughs> one of the funniest, funniest remarks we had this summer is when the NFL mandated it, and the news was out. <laughs> oh, God. They must be rich. They must be sitting topless on their yachts right now. <laughs> and we're in the packing boxes, getting these things out. First of all, nobody wants to see this hop. We're grinding. We're grinding out there. We're just trying to make a difference for, you know, and do what we can. <laughs> That's awesome. Let our listeners know again, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you guys are doing and coming out with? Reminding about your, your website and then how they can follow you on yep. social media as well. Yeah, it's guardiansports.com. has all of our products on it and all of the links to all of our different social media channels are on there. Well, thank you both so much for coming back and being a part of the show again tonight. As we say, we're huge fans of yours. You're doing such great things to make the game better and safer at all different levels, starting with our kids all the way up through the guys in the NFL. We hope you'll come back and join us again soon, update us on how things are going. Well, yeah. we appreciate y'all being believers from the very beginning. I remember the first show I was on there. I, I appreciate you believing yeah. in us. You're only crazy Absolutely. if you're not. Just terrific. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awesome. Stay safe. Have a good holiday season. We we'll catch up with you. you guys again soon. Justin. You take Bye care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. That is Lee and Aaron Hansen, GuardianSports.com. Bob, I love those two. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. Uh, what a pair. And uh, my goodness. Uh, I don't that's the first time we talked to Aaron. What a what a supporter and terrific orator as far as that company, Chris. And the uh, as you know, the website GuardianSports.com, great website, Chris, gives you all the science behind it all. You and I, we didn't even need the science, and we just heard some of the stuff when we first talked to Lisa years ago. It's such a no-brainer, and, and yeah. you know whether we want to get into it big time or not. It's all politics right now that's keeping this thing from um, being on every helmet. Uh, every football helmet everywhere in the world. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to help. It's going to save lives. It's going to get youth kids back into football. They just got to let this thing, you know, do its thing. And I just hope nobody squelches them down the road with big business or whatever, Chris, because what these guys are doing is saving lives. Yeah, they are. You know, know, coming on the heels of our conversation with Delvin and the things that he's had to deal with post the NFL and, and, and our good friend Jeff Harrod and all the surgeries and all that sort of stuff. If you can make the blow to like what Aaron said, not just, you know, to the helmet, the helmet, helmet, the ground, but just to any part of the body, if you can lessen the impact of that. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the Matthew Stafford and the finger and sort of stuff smacking the, you know, how many quarterbacks have we seen, Bob, you know, smack a helmet coming through on the follow through and that sort of thing and shaking their hand and, and all that sort of stuff. If they're hitting against, the Guardian cap <laughs> certainly a lot better than hitting against a hard helmet. I mean, right. I, the the growth of this has been great, right? I mean, we first talked to Lee about six, six and a half years ago. So they have grown pretty well in that six and a half years. So I feel like we're edging towards a day when Guardian caps are on every helmet all the time, even in game. That's why I say get the logo on there. Why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know, is a shiny helmet nice? Yeah, that's nice. But you know what's nicer? Not having your star quarterback have to be in, in, in concussion protocol or wide receiver or any of your players. It's not just the skill players, any player. You know, it's yeah. nice not to have them, you know, 
barely walking off the field, going under the blue tent and then back into the locker room. If we can save a lot more of that, I mean, we're doing a great job. Hey, appreciate the fact that it's in, in practices now and training camp and all of that. It's, I, I, I got to believe the next step isn't that far where it's just in every, on every helmet all the time. Exactly, Chris. The only reason it's not right now is politics. Let's just hope, you know, there's enough people getting sick of concussions and maybe there wouldn't be rules where you can't tackle a quarterback anymore if they had some <laughs> of these things, right? You can't touch a quarterback anymore. But, um, I mean, what they're doing is, is magical. The science is already there. There's nothing really more that these people have to do. They just have to have to keep their name in the news. But in the meantime, Chris, we're going to see, like you said, shiny helmets, logos. Fueling the NFL, uh, and we got to get past that because right. there's these, uh, you know, I go through pro football reference every day. As you know, we post birthdays and everything, and the amount of guys you see that have passed away before the age of 70 is really, really sad. And maybe uh, if we start thinking different in society, that doesn't happen. Anymore. Yeah, 100% agree with that. All right, when Bob and I come back, we'll be turning on our Thursday night tailgate spotlight on the positive. Here are two more stories about guys out there doing great things in their community. We'll do it right on the other side of this real quick, Steve. Thursday night tailgate, where the spotlight is always on the positive. Tune in Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time to hear your favorite NFL legends, players, and coaches sharing their stories. Now back to Chris and Bob. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened here tonight. All right, we are back here on Thursday night tailgate, and we're turning on our spotlight on the positive. Bob, who are you spotlighting this week? Well, I only felt appropriate, Chris. Uh, around Veterans Day to, to honor a guy from the Bengals, uh, Hayden Hurst, the tight end. As you know, we love tight ends and, and when they what they do on the field. And when they do some special things off the field, it's just more cake, you know. And these guys, like Hayden Hurst, uh, he was just awarded the team, the Bengals team, Salute to Service Award. And that's given to uh, a guy that goes above and beyond in their appreci- appreciation of the military, Chris. Um, you know, he first got, uh, I, I first, first got aware of the problem with the uh, mental health of, uh, ex, uh, servicemen when he was, um, uh, producing a, uh, it was some kind of campaign about a suicide prevention month, uh, some while ago, and he really started getting into it big, actually put together his own Hearst Family Foundation. And uh, now he's really getting big into military stuff. He is a very big supporter, Chris, of service dogs. He's, uh, his foundation has made donations to, um, especially an Atlanta-based nonprofit that trains and pairs service dogs with disabled veterans. He does a lot of that. Um, he's matched uh, things that the uh, some of the companies down there uh, that have done charity walks and everything. Uh, Hearst has matched uh, donations. Um, and he actually got a, uh, a top, one of his service canines down there. He named Hayden himself. So that's pretty cool. But, um, you know, he's, he just does a lot of things. There's a golf tournament down there. Chris he does, um, he actually gives away tickets to the golf tournament. Does, um, any active military member, uh, he gets tickets for games and everything. And you, you could find out more about what he does. And you could see what I think is great now. What happens, I guess, each team gets a, an honoree to win this award. And, uh, what you can do right now, they've, they've opened it up to voting. 
you can go to the NFL website, Chris, uh, and vote for your uh, Salute Service Award. And when they get down to, I guess, the top three, then the, there's a committee that will pick the winner. But uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, go to the website, the Bengals website, and uh, you'll read about all the good things he's doing. He's doing well on the field, too. He's, uh, he's really helping, uh, you know, Burrow and company there. But uh, what he does off the field for veterans, and tomorrow, of course, is a special day, Chris. Uh, so we have hey. to salute him tonight. Absolutely. Good stuff from Hayden Hurst. Bob, I'm putting my spotlight back on Steelers defensive end Cameron Hayward and his foundation, the Hayward House. Hayward recently spent one of his off days at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank helping others. He and some volunteers got together for Cam's Sacking Childhood Hunger Program. Their effort is to help school kids get proper nutrition over the weekends because kids are fed during the school week. But there are times over the weekends where they're not getting proper nutrition for some families. As we all know, food can be, you know, extremely scarce because they simply, they're trying to make ends meet and doing the best that they can. Well, Cam says it's heartbreaking when you, you know, see a family that, you know, they're devoted to one another. The parents are devoted to take care, taking care of the children. And, and you, you know, you got to make the best you can to get, get, get meals together and put a roof over the family's head. That's all a necessity. If we can ease the burden, he says, and provide a necessity like nutrition and good food to the families and to the kids over the weekend, he's more than happy to do it. And that's just who Cameron Hayward is, Bob. He's He's got the means and the volunteers to help inside and from outside the Steelers organization to get the food over to people and families who are in need. And when uh, he could have, uh, you know, he could have been at home resting on his off days, right? I mean, we know what it's being. The guys in the trenches take, and on the off days, he could be at home resting his body. But no, Cam is out there trying to make a positive impact and in, and doing so in the lives of children, like I say, not just during the week, but over the weekends as well. He's a special human being, and we're going to continue to spotlight his efforts, just like this one. Great guy. His name has come up on the show so many times, and I think all of us agree, and I know you, Chris, that no person in this country, no matter what economic status they are, nobody deserves to be hungry. Uh, that can't be right. a problem in this country, but it still is. And it takes guys like Hayward to realize that. Um, again, it's right at the top of the list uh, of uh, our times we've mentioned him on the show, um, and not only a superstar in the field, but even a better person off it. Yeah, that's right. A better person in life. All right, my friend, it is time for us to put a bow on this episode of Thursday Night Tailgate. We want to send out our thanks again to Greg Lloyd, Delvin Williams, and both Lee and Aaron Hansen for coming and being a part of the show tonight. And, Bob, once again, a privilege to spend my Thursday night with you. That was a lot of fun, Chris, you know, getting back in the swing, like riding a bicycle. And when you have great guests, it, it just makes it so easy. And like we did, we learned a lot tonight, too, don't we always? <laughs> <laughs> we do. Next week, and we're actually going to be coming to you early. We're going to come to you on Tuesday night. It's my wedding anniversary, and so uh, we're going to be heading out to my wife and I for a long weekend, so we moved to show up a couple of days. Scheduled to join us next week is going to be a quartet of TNT Guest Hall of Famers, starting with Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio host Paul Alexander. I always love it when Paul's a part of the show. Florida A&M head coach Willie Simmons, one of our all-time favorites. Looking forward to catching up with Coach. Plus a guy we've been campaigning for years to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he's finally got his name on the ballot, and that is former Dolphins left tackle Richmond Webb. He'll be back with us. And then 
Hopefully we can get Tony in here with our five star picks of the week. We've got those. We'll, we'll publish, uh, those out on social media. Didn't get a, didn't get an opportunity to get to that tonight on the show, unfortunately, but we'll tell you who, how, how well we're doing. And it was speaking of how well, really quickly, Bob Lazeri, five and oh last week. So Tony and I were three and two last week. So we're already in a two game haul. So we got a lot of work to do, but fortunately we got a lot of time to do it. Folks, you can follow us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CT Mascaro. Bob is at Bob underscore Lazari. The show is at TNT Podcast. Please visit us on Facebook as well. Both Bob and I have our own Facebook pages, plus we've got one for the show. So go on Thursday Night Tailgate there on Facebook. Give us a like. That's important to us. Please check out our website, ThursdayNightTailgate.com. On there, we give you links to recent shows plus individual guest segments. So whether you've got 20 minutes or two hours, We've got some good content on there available for you. The show is available as a podcast on just about every podcast app out there. We're on Podbean and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify. If you've got a favorite podcast app, we're probably on that one, too. Just type in Thursday Night Tailgate in the search bar. You'll probably find us there as well. Bob, take us home, my friend. Okay, Chris. We'll talk uh, just in a few days. and A lot of fun tonight. And we want to send many thanks to our great announcer, Joe Lajanusa for the tremendous job he always does with our intro and ads. <clears throat> also want to thank Kyle Turley and the Kyle Turley Band for the upcoming outro music. On behalf of myself and Chris, we want to thank all the fans out there tonight for listening. We appreciate you the most. Until next week, good night, Kevin. Good night, Terry. Good night, Rusty. Good night, Coach Reed. Miss you guys. Coming down the mountain, I take a breath of sin. Can't tell the day or time, but I know this day will end. On a mission I can't see, they say.